Does writing your launch email sequence make you want to scream? Today you're going to learn how to write a killer launch sequence that'll actually get your audience opening your emails and clicking the buy now button. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel women just like you, who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. Welcome back, Rebels. We're talking about sales emails today, a seriously important topic because let's be real, your emails could make or break your launch, so you might want to get them right. Teaching us today is Ellie Runkles. Ellie is a sales strategist and copywriter who helps ambitious women entrepreneurs build the confidence and bank accounts to match their big vision. She helps her clients from solopreneurs to seven-figure bo- uh, blo- excuse me, seven-figure business owners harness the power of written words in order to sell in their businesses in a way that actually feels good and gets results. Ellie is on a mission to empower women business owners to embrace the value that they bring to their clients so that they can ditch the fear of being salesy and actually sell with ease and with empathy. Today, Ellie's gonna share how to write sales emails, what to include in your sales emails. We'll chat a little bit about subject lines. I know that's a hot topic for a lot of people, including myself. We're gonna discuss how to make your sales sequences useful and engaging for all types of people. So a lot of really great content packed into this really short interview. Don't forget to subscribe to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. Your reviews, I say this all the time, really do leave me feeling all kinds of amazing and they're very, very powerful for the iTunes algorithm. So thank you in advance for leaving us that five-star review. Plus, when you leave that review, you might end up being a lucky winner of an Amazon gift card. We're raffling off a gift card to one of our reviewers once we reach our next 50 reviews. So make sure you go take a second, leave us a review, and you'll be entered to win. I'd also love it if you pause this podcast for just a second, take a screenshot of you listening and share it on Instagram. Tag me at Edenfried and also tag Ellie at Ellie Runkles. We'll see that you tagged us. We'll share it. We'll start talking to you. It's going to be a good time. It's always feel good. To, it always feels good to see that you are engaged with the content and that you're learning something from it. All right, let's flip it on over to this amazing interview with Ellie Runkles. Welcome, Ellie. So excited to have you here. Thanks. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. So I shared your bio in um, the introduction already. So everybody kind of knows a little bit about you, but tell us more about yourself in your own words. Tell us, you know, who you are and how you got into entrepreneurship in the first place. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm a sales copywriter and strategist, and I work with online coaches and creative entrepreneurs to help them write copy and create content that um, really connects with their audience. And so it's really focused on both empathy and conversion so that you're really hitting on what your audience is looking for and what they need to hear so that they are really excited and ready to work with you. Um, So as far as my journey into entrepreneurship, it's I think I've always known that I wanted to have a business of my own at some point in my life. Um, But the journey here has been pretty windy, which I think is the story for most people. Um, I, so I actually um, am from the U S but I live in Spain and I moved here right out of college because even 
at that point in my life before I knew I wanted to start a business, I knew that I didn't want to go into the typical corporate nine to five corporate America. So I moved to Spain kind of on a whim. Uh, originally was going to be here for one year teaching English to have an experience abroad. And then that's turned into five years doing a lot of different things. And then that turned into doing some freelance work and then that turned into over time uh, into starting this business. So it's, like I said, been a long and windy road, but I always kind of knew that I would end up here. How did you choose Spain? So again, it's just kind of how life happens, I think, but I actually majored in Spanish for my bachelor's degree and my university had a, like a campus, a study abroad campus here. And so I had done that in college and it was just kind of a natural thing to like go back to where I'd studied and, and continue that here. And again, I never intended or thought that I would be here for now it's been six years. It just has kind of evolved over yeah. time. You drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, my brother lived um, in Hungary, in Budapest, Hungary, for several years after he graduated from college and also same kind of thing. He didn't really expect it to be something where he stayed for a long time, uh, but he did. He's back in the States now, but he was there for probably about the same time that you've been in Spain. Yeah. Or it's funny how that happens, how you just, you know, go for a little while and then all of a sudden you've been there for, for who knows how long. And you have now built a business for yourself that allows you to have that flexibility where you don't need to be in a traditional job and you can be around the world. Do you uh, travel a lot or are you pretty much located in Spain? Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much am in Spain, uh, but I love the flexibility of being able to like go back and visit my family. I can go and take like, because you know, it's, it's a long flight, so I can take advantage of that and go and stay for like a few weeks without having to like take time off or anything like that. So it, it, it works out so well. I love having the flexibility to do that. Amazing. That's priceless. So you are here today to talk to us about launch copies specific to email because there's lots of different types of launch copy. Today we're going to be talking about email launch copy and you're the perfect person to be here to chat with us about that. Um, so first of all, tell us what, like at the very basic level, what is launch copy and how is it different from traditional copy that you would write in a blog post or anything else? Yeah. So my main focus is, is sales copy in general. So that comes into the copy that you're writing with a specific purpose of selling something. Right. And so in a launch, it's the copy that you're writing specifically to sell whatever it is you're launching. So your group program, your membership, digital product, whatever it is. Um, and so in a launch, everything is, it, it's really just about the amount of volume of sales copy that is focused on one particular thing, because there's a lot going on. Like, you know, today we're focusing on emails, but there's social copy, there's the sales page, there's so much that goes into it. And you're talking about one particular product the entire time. And so it can start to feel a little bit repetitive, but I, I want to share some things with you guys today about like how you can come go about writing your launch copy in a way that doesn't, I mean, it, being a bit repetitive is a little bit the nature of the beast, but there are ways to go about it where you're kind of hitting it from a lot of different angles and helping people see the, the value of your product in from, you know, in different ways throughout your launch. I'm excited to hear those strategies. I do want to touch a little bit more on that repetitive nature of the launch copy uh, because I, in my experience, a lot of people's hesitation when it comes to launching and creating a sales email sequence is they feel like people are going to be burnt out from it. They feel like they're constantly in their inbox and they don't like when they get the sales email, so they don't want to be the one sending those 
quote unquote, pesky, annoying sales emails. Um, what do you say to those people? I know what I say, but I'm curious about your perspective. Yeah. So I, I would say that one, you probably feel a lot more annoying than your audience actually feels like you're being when you're sending those emails, because you're coming from it from a perspective of, I don't want to be salesy. I don't want to be annoying, but for your audience, you know, they signed up for your email list and they kind of know what they're getting into when they sign up for an email list that, yeah, I'm going to get some emails from them. Some are going to be purely value and some are going to be sales emails. And that's kind of what they're signing up for and are expecting. But another thing to keep in mind is not everyone is reading every single email that you send and some are going to connect with certain people more than others. And so it's really important to send multiple emails and hit at it from different angles so that, you know, maybe one email is, some of your your audience is not you know interested in that particular angle that you're you're taking to talk about your your offer but then other people will be and so by sending multiple emails you're kind of hitting on a lot of different touch points that you'd miss out on if you just sent one email saying like hey here's my thing it's available if you want to buy it i 100 agree with you and i just also want to add that um you know your target customers need a certain amount of information in order to make the decision that this product is for them. So if you withhold certain sales emails because you're afraid of being salesy, then you could be withholding the information that they actually need in order to make the decision to buy. And I think that's why you know, studies have shown that the more that you're emailing in a launch, at least one, uh, once a day to two times a day, sometimes even three if you're closing the cart, the more emails that you send, the higher your conversion rate will be. That doesn't just come from nothing. And I'm guessing that that's coming from the fact that you're giving more information to the people who need it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And people need, you know, and, and it's, it's easy to, from again, from your perspective as the creator of the offer to think, well, this is obvious. Like they should know that this is included in the program or this is, they should know that this is something that's going to come out of it. But that's not necessarily the case because you're looking at it from so close and people sometimes need to hear things multiple times or, you know, hear it and it's said in a different way before they're ready to buy. So how can we spice up our sales emails so that they don't feel too salesy in a sense? So I really like to focus on telling stories around the problems that your offer solves and the transformations that it creates um, for your ideal clients. And how I really recommend doing that is to, to start, I actually recommend starting with the sales page because that kind of gives you the foundational copy of like what the messaging is for this entire offer. But if you look at your sales page and you look at some of the pain points that you hit on, for example, like you're experiencing I don't know, X, Y, and Z, you're experiencing these different problems that are related to the, the solution that you're going to provide, write an email for X, for Y, and for Z. For, so for like each of those kind of pain points, go into more detail and tell if you've got personal stories related to those pain points, share that so that they can kind of get a, a, a like a personal perspective on it. Um, if you can tell stories, just just a story about like, you know, this, this may be what you're experiencing, but this is kind of the, the outcome that could be possible, but hitting on it from different angles of what those pain points might be, I think can really help to change it up. And then again, help you to reach people who may have different, different experiences or opinions about the, the solution that you're providing. Do you have recommendations in terms of how many sales emails, let's say you have a five day launch or a five-day open cart period, 
how many emails should you be sending during that time? So for a five day open cart, I definitely recommend sending at least one email a day. Uh, within that time period, I would say probably one a day and then maybe two on cart close is like the minimum. You don't want to go too much, too more than too much further than that, because then you can, your audience can start getting tired. Um, and it just can be a little bit draining for everybody, but you want to make sure that you're sending an email at least every day. Um, and that's one of the biggest problems I see is people not sending enough emails again, out of that fear of like, I don't want to be annoying, but then people don't really see the full picture of what you're offering. And what are we sending on each of those days? Do you happen to have like, um, not an equation, but an order of on day one, you would send this type of email and day two, this type of email. Yeah. So I have, um, and I'm sure we'll put this in the show notes, but I actually have a guide to writing your, like your launch email sequence. And it kind of goes through the different emails that you want to send on different days. And so on day one, you want to send just kind of a, an announcement email. And just, so depending on how you launch your product, it may be, you're sending a webinar replay or you're sending like a kind of recap or final day of a challenge or what, you know, whatever it was that you did to launch your, um, launch your product, send a kind of recap and then in transition that into, and by the way, now the course is available or the program's available. Here's how you can buy and here are the details. And that kind of email, if someone went through that launch trigger, that, that might you know, work to, to convert on that first day. But this to me is just kind of like the announcement of like, Hey, I have something available. And then over the next few days, you're going to really go into more detail so that they can get to know you, um, get to know what the product is and, uh, make that decision throughout the open cart period. Um, so that's what I recommend for day one. And then from there, I think it's good to include one or two, like really benefit driven emails. So it's really focused on either how your product solves a particular pain point or how it creates a particular result that, that your audience is wanting to get from your, your product. Um, so having two really, really product specific um, emails that go into the details of that particular offer. And then I, if you've got a compelling kind of origin story, I think that's a really good email to send to. So that could be your origin story of how you started your business, how you got to um, where you are in business and, and, how maybe the product that you're selling now helped you get there. It could also be the origin of your product of maybe problems you saw in your industry. And so why you created this particular solution is a really good email to send. Um, and then things like frequently asked questions, testimonials, those, these are good, just kind of basic format emails that are good to have in your launch sequence as well. Uh, one best tip that I got, I just have to share this because it's <laughs> it's important. Um, I got constructive criticism years ago now when I was in the very beginning stages of ever writing any kind of launch copy. And, um, you know, I was opening this product and someone replied to one of my emails saying, um, I'm not really sure what this product is and who it's for. Um, make sure you always include the who, what, where, when, and why in every product sales email that you write. And I was like, thank you. That's good. I don't, because sometimes you know exactly what's going on in your head, but it's not as clear to the people reading it. Do you find that to be true when you're working with people? Yes, absolutely. That's such a good point because again, you, you have to assume that not everyone is going to read every single email. And so it is going to be important to, you may not need to spell out every single detail in every single email, but at least give kind of a, you know, 
this is the, this is the product. This is who it's for. This is what it will do for you in every single email so that people have that context because, you know, from your perspective, it's like, well, I sent you an email yesterday that explained it, but they might not read it in order. They might not even read right. that first email in the first place. So that is really important for sure. Yeah. You kind of have to think like if this, even if it's your third email that you're sending, if this was the first email that someone opened in your sales sequence, would they have the information that they need to understand what this product is and why it's beneficial to them? If the answer is no, then you probably have a little bit more work to do for sure. Yeah, that's such a good point. So tell us a little bit about uh, some ways that you can really tune into the message that your ideal clients absolutely need to hear in order to feel like the product that you're selling them is a no brainer for them, that they definitely should buy it. Yeah. So my big thing in, in any copy that I, I help clients with is that it all needs to come, like it all needs to start from a place of empathy and, and really knowing who your audience is and what they're looking for and what problem they want solved, like what they're experiencing day to day and how it's showing up for them and, and what their like biggest concerns and fears and, and dreams are and how you can translate that into your product. And so I am always encouraging my, my clients to be conducting some formal ish market research where you're sending out surveys, you're getting on calls with people and doing things like that to really hear in their words, what they're experiencing and, and what they want to learn from you. But then I also think it's really important to just make that a, a habit and a practice in your business every day. So whether that's on Instagram, posting polls or posting, you know, having DM conversations with your idol clients so that you can really stay in tune with what are they experiencing every day? What's going on for them? And how can I either create a product specifically around this or, or maybe reposition the products that I already have so that it's very clear to them how this offer relates to what they're experiencing every day and what changes they'd like to experience in their life. I love that because you're focusing way more on where your clients are at and what they're feeling and struggling with versus shoving a product down their throat, which is a very different thing. Um, you know, I'm sure you use this all the time, Ellie, and I've definitely heard it a lot. Focus on the transformation over the features. And, um, you know, if you're honing into what your clients need and how you can help them get through that struggle, then that's the transformation. You don't need to talk too much about the bells and whistles of your product because they, they couldn't care less what the product is as long as it's something that's going to help them. Yeah, for sure. The, um, the mechanism to get that result. So whether it's a membership or a course or a PDF download or whatever it is, that like process of getting the result is, I mean, they need to know what it is, but it's always secondary to what the result is going to be from that mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's funny because a lot of people don't, they don't understand that. And I always say, well, how do you make a decision to buy something? Like, are you sitting, um, reading the ingredients and, you know, on a, a package of food, like at the grocery store every single day, or are you just buying it because you want to eat whatever it is? You're probably just buying it because you want to eat whatever it is if you're anything like me. So, um, yeah, I think that's, it's a good thing to really pay attention to. Don't focus too much on the features. People can drown in that focus instead on the transformation. Tell us a little bit about some of the biggest misconceptions or mistakes that you see when it comes to writing uh, sales emails for digital products. So one, 
you know, one of the mistakes I guess I see a lot of times, or maybe it's just something to really keep in mind is to start preparing your audience for this launch in advance. So, you know, if you normally send out an email to your list every single week, for example, like to send them a new blog post or send them a new podcast episode or whatever it is you do, make sure that you're, you're staying consistent with that or get consistent with that. If you haven't been necessarily, you know, sending emails to your list regularly, be sure that you're doing that in the weeks leading up to your launch. And then I always recommend that you start emailing a little bit more frequently. So like maybe twice a week in the like two or three weeks before your launch so that it's not out of nowhere. Like I haven't heard from this person in weeks or, you know, I'm used to getting one email a week from this person. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, five days in a row, like all these emails coming into your inbox. And so I think that's important. Um, to make sure your audience is kind of ready and expecting and also kind of teasing what's coming is, is, is a good way to approach it too. So your audience is, is like, what's going on? Like what's happening? I know she's launching something soon, like excited to, to hear what you're doing, I think can go a long way in, in seeing traction with your launch. So how far in, in advance would you recommend planning these sales emails out? Yeah. So it, it really, depends kind of on your planning process. I think having, having at least kind of a month of ramp up so that you have maybe like three to four weeks of, of the kind of priming content. So like getting people ready to buy just through your normal blog posts or normal emails that you send people. Um, and then maybe like two to three weeks before starting to send like a second, an additional email. And it could be like, get on the wait list for this product that's coming soon or sign up for my webinar that it's going to, you know, the, be the launch trigger. Um, but just starting to do some of that, I would say about a month before at least is, is, is good practice. I think it also depends um, the length of, I call this your pre-launch. So you have your launch emails, which is when your open cart is. Um, and then the weeks leading up to it where you're teasing and things like that, that would be your pre-launch series. Um, and the length of your pre-launch, personally, I think depends in large part on how active you've been with your list. Like you were saying, Ellie, if you really haven't emailed your list, you need to start. And they're going to need more nurturing than a list that's super engaged because you've been emailing them regularly. So, you know, your pre-launch, if you haven't emailed your list, might be a month to like a month and a half. Um, but if you have been emailing, maybe it's two to three weeks tops. Yeah, that's totally true. That's, that's a very good point. Tell us a little bit about some additional recommendations that you have when it comes to using email to actually launch your product. Any tips and tricks that we haven't mentioned so far? I think it's, it's, we touched on this a little bit, but I think it's really important to make sure that you are sending emails that touch on how different people buy because you know you may be able to think back and and think about an experience of yourself buying a digital product and how you were influenced like what it was that made you finally make the decision to buy but your audience is not necessarily going to have the same buying behavior as you and so it's important to make sure that you're touching on kind of what different personality types would look for as they're getting ready to, or making the decision to buy something. Um, and so I like to use, it's actually based off of the Myers-Briggs types. Um, if you're familiar with that, um, I have, it's kind of like a quadrant of like what needs to 
what points you need to touch on in order to make sure that you're hitting kind of what every person needs to hear. So if you're familiar with Myers-Biggs, there's like, there's the NFs, I mean, sorry, the NS scale, which N is more like intuitive and big picture and S is more um, observant and detail oriented. So you want to make sure that you're hitting on both of those personality types. So people who are really big picture and want to just know like, okay, what's the overall thing I'm going to get out of this product. Okay, cool. That, that covers it for me. I'm good to go. Whereas the S's are going to want the details and they're going to want to know actually like what are all those features and what exactly goes into this product. Um, and then the other, like another one of the Myers-Briggs, uh, areas that you want to focus on is the F and the T, which is feeling versus thinking. And so your feelers are really going to relate to like testimonials from people saying like, this completely changed my life. And I feel like how they feel after going through your product, whereas thinkers are going to want to see like data and specific like monetary results, for example, or like concrete numbers that show um, how your product helps them. And so that's something that I think uh, is just important to keep in mind that, you know, different things are going to, going to speak to different people differently. And so it's important to touch on all those areas in your launch copy. That's really interesting. Do you recommend trying to hit all those personality types in every single email or is it more so that you're spreading everything out and all the different emails that you'll be sending? Yeah. So spreading it throughout, it's not like that would be, I think, impossible or yeah. overwhelming to you and your audience to try and hit on all of that in every single email, but just throughout your launch, just kind of keep that in mind and make sure both in, in, you know, you know, a few of your emails should have some of those elements on your sales page. You should kind of include some of those elements. It doesn't need to be like, you don't need to tick all those boxes in every single piece of copy, but just something to keep in mind okay. overall as you're writing your, your launch emails. Now I got to ask, subject lines are a big stressor for a lot of people. What tips do you have for writing a subject line that actually gets people to open the email? Okay, that's a great question. And I get asked that all the time too. Um, so with subject lines, it's important to, like they need to be like loosely related to what's inside the email, right? Because you don't want people to be like, you don't want to bait and switch people with like, this isn't what I thought I was opening at all, but you, it, it is important to really grab people's attention and have them kind of curious about what's inside. So this could be a subject line that's um, really results driven. So like if you're talking about a result that they want, like inside, like maybe something about how to get the result you want. And it's very similar to, I think, headlines for blog posts or things like that. Um, a lot of that information applies to subject lines as well. Um, but it can be kind of teasing to the results that they want and, and information about how to get that result inside the email. And the subject line is a really good way to, to do that. Um, and also, I think, depending on how engaged your list is, if you can kind of show some of your personality in your in your um, subject line. So maybe something that's like very you or very on brand for you that maybe goes a little bit controversial or a little bit against the norm. So it's going to stand out in their inbox. I think those kind of emails can do really well as well. And again, that kind of depends the relationship you have with your list. Um, if they know who you are and are expecting your emails, then something that kind of stands out like that can do really well. And depending on your email service provider, you probably have the option to A-B test different subject lines. And for a while, I didn't do that because I was like, oh, that's another step to do. <laughs> Let me just streamline this process. 
and then I realized, you know, I'm really throwing out a lot of potential opens on the table. I might as well just use the AB feature. So I use ConvertKit and they have a really great AB test feature. Um, basically they'll send to, I think it's 15% of your audience, both emails. They'll see which one wins, which one gets the most opens. And then the rest of the percentage remaining, the 75% will get the winner. Um, so you'll definitely get more emails that way. Highly, highly recommend doing that, you guys. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm a big, big fan of A-B testing. I use it all the time. Data-driven uh, decisions are always the best marketing decisions for sure. For okay. sure. So lots of people are just terrified of writing these emails. You've given us amazing tips and tricks to um, execute these and get them done. What advice do you have for people who are just absolutely terrified and they need um, you know, a little bit of hand-holding in terms of sitting down and actually getting these emails drafted and written. Yeah. So it, if you're somebody who really struggles when it comes to writing in general, um, there are a lot of different ways that you can go about this. Um, some of my clients have told me that it really helps them to speak what they want to say rather than actually write it out. Um, so I've had clients tell me that they like go for a walk with their phones and like do a voice recording. I'm just like, these are kind of the, this is the message that I want to send to my audience and then transcribe that and then play with that in like the transcription until you get it into a, a format where it looks like a, an email that you could send out. Um, so that's one, one strategy. Another is, is like, I recommend working in two separate documents whenever you're, you're writing sales copy. Um, where one is like the brain dump document and one is like the final draft document because it can be a lot of pressure when you're like sit down to write sale something that's like with the intention of selling your products. Um, that's like, this has to be perfect. Like I know that for example, the subject line or the headline is the most important thing. And so you're just staring at a blank cursor thinking, what should that subject line be? Um, and that can be really intimidating. And so I recommend like, starting with a separate document. And this I think is just a mindset of like, this document is like, there's no pressure on this document because it's just a brain dump and you get all your ideas out. And then from there, you can kind of pull over onto your like official sales copy documents, the things that really stand out and work. And then you've kind of got something to start with. So you're not looking at a blank slate. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think another thing that helps me is understanding the fact that this is probably not the only time you're going to be launching this product. So if by some chance an email or two fails in your sequence, whatever failure even means, you can always change it next time. Like that's just information now that you have that you can use to change your strategy the next time around. So if it didn't work as well as you wanted it to, don't worry because now you know exactly what not to do the next time. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You can think of like the first time you write the first sales sequence for an, an, a new offer. It's all just an experiment. It's to see what works and what yeah. doesn't. And then you can take your highest performing emails, reuse those and scrap or change up the ones that didn't perform as well. And it's just data for you to work with the next time. Yep. Data comes up again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ellie, this has been amazing, really, really informative. Tell us, I know that you have a free resource that is going to be really, really helpful for a lot of people. Tell us a little bit about what that is and where we can access it. 
Yeah. So it's my guide for writing your launch emails. It's the seven types of emails to include in your launch sequence. And this goes into some of the emails that we've talked about today, but it really kind of breaks it down into things you want to consider on each day of your open cart um, and kind of how about how to go about writing those emails so that you can find on my website. It's ellierunkles.com slash free. So it's super easy to find. Um, and it hopefully will help you with getting the emails written for your next launch. And you're also on social media. Tell us where we can stalk you slash hang out with you there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm at Ellie Runkles everywhere. Um, Instagram is where I hang out the most. Um, so that's, yeah, come follow me, hang out with me on Instagram, send me a DM, let me know um, that you listened or what you thought about the episode. Um, and yeah, Instagram, that's where I am most of the time. Love it. Well, thank you again so much for hanging out with us. I personally learned a ton. I loved what you said about the Myers-Briggs personality types. That was something I had never thought of before. So thank you for giving me that little bit of information. And um, for everyone listening, I'm going to drop all of Ellie's links in the show notes. So definitely be sure to go grab her free resources and hang out with her on social media. Thanks again, Ellie. Hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks. It's been so much fun. This episode officially wraps up our current season of Rebel Boss Ladies. When I officially launched the podcast, I didn't even think about whether or not I'd break up the show into seasons, but I got wiser, as they say. And so I've decided to wrap up this season so that we can curate a bunch of amazing content for our next season in advance. We've already been working on our next season of the show, which I'm calling season two. Season two will kick off the first week of February. We have an amazing season in store for, for you with amazing guests. All of our guests are truly amazing, but they just get better and better and better. And I cannot wait to share all of those interviews with you. Wishing all of you, my rebel friends, an incredible holiday season and a very, very happy new year. May this new year bring you even closer to all of your goals. May you spend this season reflecting on the progress that you've experienced in your business life and in your personal life, feeling gratitude for wherever you currently are in your journey and soaking up every beautiful second of time that you can with your loved ones. Happy 2020 in advance from me to you. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and remember, keep kicking ass, keep putting in the work, and most importantly, keep showing up. See you next year.